You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know Art Monk's. If you were to ask me just now, what was Art Monk's number with the Redskins? Uh, well, that's this episode's 81. It was going to be the Art right. Monk edition. I think it's the, you know, it's the Back to the Future Day edition. Man. Oh, that's it. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. We're wasting time here. We're wasting time. All right, let's get into it. Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you're keeping score at home, this is episode 81, the Back to the Future edition. <laughs> we made it, buddy. Yep. We made it. We're here. You know, we got our hoverboards, our self-tied Nikes, our self-drying, self-sizing jackets. The uh, uh, drone photographers. Yep, our flying cars, our our uh, Black and Decker rehydrator for our food, and the Cubs are gonna win the World Series. <laughs> They're down six to nothing right now. Are, oh my God, are they really? <laughs> yeah, this is Game Four, and they lose. It's over. Holy shit! Oh my God, uh, Daniel Murphy hit another home run. I don't know if he did. Let me see. I just know that it was like. Last time I checked, his fourth inning. Uh, oh, Cubs get it on board, but Mets keep hefty lead. It's six to one in the top of the fifth. Oh, unbelievable, man! The um, I'm rooting for the Mets. Yeah, you know it's. I'm not rooting against the Mets, but it's a little tough to root for the Mets. Mets fans are insufferable. No, no Murphy home runs tonight. Oh, well, he's obviously, he's obviously due for one. So, because all he does is hit home runs, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he's had one in five straight games. That's insane. Yeah, he's like the second player, second to third player to ever do that in the so postseason. That's the that's all the talk is. You know, are they going to resign him? What are they going to resign him? Well, they for? say that they're not going to resign him regardless, basically. All um, his entire career, he's been um, he's been super productive. He's like a real professional hitter, but he's got no position. He's more of an American League guy, and yeah, he's know, not a great fielder or anything. No, they just yeah. they couldn't find a position for him. They tried to put him in the outfield a couple of years ago. That didn't work. Yeah, um, they're really loaded up the middle with. Um, he's asking for too much money for what he is, you know. Yeah. Um, I think he's gonna he'll be get asking it. for like eight figures, is what the report is, you know. So he's not really worth ten million plus a year, you know. I think he'll get it from somebody. I think he'll get it. Oh, from he'll like get it American from somebody because that's the way the baseball works, you know. Right. All There's you have to do is somebody ask. Somebody that'll pay you. All you have to do is ask, and somebody will give it to you. I wish the real world worked that way, you know. Yeah, no kidding. I'll be like, hey, um, you know what? Uh, I believe my market value to be right now. Uh, it's two uh, free vodka grapefruits and a blowjob. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm at least gonna end up with, you know, a couple fireball shots and maybe a hand job. Yeah, you just gotta watch out who you're negotiating with for that. 
Okay, Mr. Sanders, uh, unzip your pants. <laughs> right. That's like, that's like uh, you know, you ended up in Tampa Bay. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, you know what? At this point, a hand job is a hand job. Good times. Oh, good. Good times in Tampa Bay. I prefer to give myself my own hand jobs. <laughs> No, not me. I repulse myself. <laughs> I'm like, put the chicken parm sub down, you son of a bitch. Uh, put some effort in, will ya? Come on. At least whisper something to me. <laughs> oh, that didn't take long. Yeah. A comedian years ago had something about that. He's like, you know... He's like, women, they want to give the hand job, but just leave that to me. I'm the master. I know how to handle my business. <laughs> uh, funny, man. Funny. Yeah, good times. Good yeah, times. so how you been, man? How you been? Uh, it's been all right, you know? I mean, when's the last time I recorded? I was like last uh, week sometime? Yeah, like last a Monday. Monday? Yeah, something like that. All right, we had another crappy Syracuse football game at that time. <laughs> uh, who do we play? UVA. Oh. Yeah, Virginia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah, terrible, yeah. and we lost. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. that kind of that kind of set you uh, that kind of set you off, despite the fact the Saints had a huge win a couple days before. Yeah, Thursday night. I actually ended up going to that, but I, I'm not going to be texting with you about the saints yeah 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 but what <laughs> what's the um what is kind of the the hierarchical chain of of sports nirvana or sports well agony? for football i guess it would be the saints top you know yeah but that's tough if the saints usually syracuse will either win or lose before the saints yeah so, you know a syracuse loss followed by saints win kind of you know, end you on a high note, but I mean, I guess I just put them both in perspective, you know, and I, you know, I mean, I both put them in their place, you know, when the Saints game's on, I'm all about the Saints, when the Syracuse game's on, I'm all about Syracuse, and then I go to the Tulane games, and they usually lose anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> and the worst is, what was, oh, last, <laughs> the worst was last week, when the Saints, when Tulane got blown out. Then I turned on the Syracuse game, and they got blown out. And the next day, the Saints played the Eagles, and they got blown out. And I'm like, I wasted my whole fucking week in front of the TV. Oh, that's <laughs> to watch brutal. Three shitty games. <laughs> that is brutal. Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, what a wasted week it got up. Turned on the one game at 11. Then the Syracuse game came on at 2.30. <laughs> Next day, got up again to watch the Saints. Oh, well, they gave us hope because they beat the Cowboys the week before. You know, they were like 1-3 and three at that point, you know. It's like, oh, well, they gave us hope. And then it's like, what was it? It was 10-7 to seven at halftime. Now I think they might have even tied up the game or something. And then it was all downhill from there in the second half, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they tied the game at like ten or whatever to start the second half of the Eagles game, and then they ended up losing by like 
38 to 10 or 31, whatever it was. It was ridiculous. And then Thursday night was a home game. You know, they were playing the Falcons, which is a big rivalry. You know, and because uh, yeah, Atlanta, that's our natural rival, you know. Right. And uh, there's always a good number of Atlanta people at the game and stuff. And uh, and going to the Dome's a bitch. And it really sucks because I get stressed. And I don't really want to watch them lose, especially when it's against Atlanta because I fucking hate them. And you have these assholes who are so happy when they do win, even though for the most part we usually beat Atlanta for the, since Pey- Peyton's been here. Right. But uh, – but my boss, he has four tickets, and his one son didn't want to go, you know? So he's like, said, so Jared, you know, who is his other son who works with me, you know, he asked, calls me up on Wednesday night. I'm like, I really don't want to go. He's like, I get it. I was like, if you can find somebody else, please find somebody else. I was like, that's just going to be stressful. I don't want to deal with it. Plus, it is a pain ass going into games, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, going into a 70,000-seat stadium is a pain in the ass. <laughs> right it just really is dude <laughs> um you know i get up once during the game you know because i don't even like to get up it's like being on planes it's such a hassle to me if i gotta pee i just hold it in you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i like being able to be at home i guess you know yeah first but, world uh, problems yeah but uh so the next day, I'm like, I don't want to go. And then my boss is like, Jared asked you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, couldn't you please try to get somebody else in finally afternoon? He's like, well, we haven't been able to get rid of the ticket. You know, he's like making fun of me. He's like, come on, come. We'll get, you know, you can come to dinner with us. He's like, I think they're going to play well tonight. So he got there. And, of course, they did play well. And they ended up beating the hell out of the Falcons. Right. Which was good because they had this guy. He looked like fucking... David Letterman's or Alfred e. Newman or something looked like his fat David Letterman's fat brother or something, you know. And he was like probably like uh, he was sitting right on the railing, you know. We were not part of the stadium, <laughs> probably like a couple rows down and like probably ten, fifteen seats over, you know. And he's dancing. And he's got this Falcon shirt on. I was like, I was like, oh, this motherfucker. I'm like, I want to throw that guy over the railing. You know, so thank God we won because that guy was like dancing even when they were still losing the game, you know, and finally it was like the fourth quarter and the outcome was no longer dead. I looked down, I was like, oh, he's gone because he was such an obnoxious asshole. And that's why I really can't stand that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the interaction between um, between fans at a game, especially away fans at home fans. Yeah. There's you you know, I didn't see one the other day, but a lot of times like especially when the Falcons are in town, you know, we're up in the terrace. He's in the lower terrace, but the terrace is the highest highest part of the stadium, you know, in the dome. Yep. Uh, but he's in the, you know, the third row of it. So they're really good seats for their price, you know. Right. Cuz it's like on like the 35 40 yard line too. Uh a lot of times, I didn't see one this time, but when you go to a Falcon-Saints game, and don't, a lot of times you'll see fights up there because usually there's way more of those fans in town because it's very close. Yep. You know, it's like a six-hour drive or something, you know, or friggin' $100 flight, you know, or they just got people here anyway who are from Atlanta. So a lot of times you'll see 
friggin' fights there, but I didn't see one. But um, but like I went the one time I got up, it was like halftime. I had to take a leak, and I'm in line, you know. And then we get inside the bathroom, and they got stalls right there. And there was a guy in front of me, dude, wearing like a Matt Ryan jersey, and uh, and he walks up a little further, like past the one stall, and then this guy comes out of this stall, but he was already beyond it. So I just start making a beeline and getting that stall. Right. And that dude turns like he starts going to, it, you know, and he's like, "Oh, dog, that ain't right." And I just slam the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he would have been in a Saints jersey or some shit, I would have been like, yeah, you go ahead, man. Right, right, right. <laughs> I was like, fuck this guy in his Matt Ryan jersey. <laughs> uh, I owe him nothing. <laughs> so that was that was good because, you know, I, after the game, I'm like, if we don't win another game this year, at least we won this game, you know? Right. right. So, because they might not win another game this season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why couldn't the Colts save their stupid fake punt plays for our game? Right. Right. I um, I went upstairs about halftime. I think I, I, I stayed downstairs for the first half. And then I like to listen to sporting events on the radio. Now, I don't know if that's just because when I first moved back to the States and I was living in Asbury, um, we didn't have television. So everything I listened to was streamed online. And now it's become a lot easier to live without television, like everywhere. Like I was watching the baseball game today at 4 because Fox Sports, you know, has a streaming app that you can, um, you know, that you can watch on your iPad and throw it to Apple TV. But um, I still like there's something about listening to it online. And if, yeah. I, if it's a late game, Monday Night Football or, or Sunday Night Football, uh, I like to listen to it in bed. Feel yep. calming, you know, it's kind of like old school like when I was a little kid kind of deal. Um, and even though it was the Colts, I still like to listen to it. Okay. To figure if it was a game, you know, if it's a game I don't care about, obviously put it on the radio and if I fall asleep, I fall asleep, whatever. But even a Colts game, I like to listen on the radio. And a lot of times I like to listen to the, uh, you know, the hometown um, radio feed and you get a little more information and it's kind of funny yeah. being from well, a big common town thing they do here people love to do here is watch the game and then turn on the local radio okay you know and they'll even like talk about because now with all the hd and stuff it's not everything's not synced up properly right you know so i think they you know now the radio stations on an fm and an am so i think one might be in sync with the over the air and one might be in sync with like the HD broadcast, you know, <laughs> but it's not like it used to be, you know, where it was like, you just turned on the TV, you turned on the radio and everything was the same, you know? Right. When we drove back from Cuse uh, that Sunday and we streamed the, uh, the saints game, I got a kick out of the saints announcers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been a, a tradition because people here always get annoyed listening to the, and I don't blame them. I mean, the national people always suck generally. Plus, the Saints used to suck for so long, so they used to always get the worst 
announcers. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Right. You know. I mean, they got they got to have like friggin' fifteen announcing. Well, I guess there's fourteen announcing. Well, now it's thirteen since there's a Thursday night game. Uh, Thursday night game, Sunday night game, Monday night game, but the day games, there's basically 13 announcing teams, you know? Yeah. So think about how many sucky people they have. Right. <laughs> you know, whoever's doing like every Jacksonville, like Jacksonville versus the Texans or some shit. Think about how low level the people that are doing those games are. There was, uh, do you ever see the highlights of, um, there's the guy who does, uh, MMA broadcasts. I forget his name. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Oh, the one that did a football game yes, or something? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They allowed him to do a football game. Wasn't it kind of like ridiculous? It was unbelievable. Yep. Uh, let's see. Mike Goldberg. I mean, I remember the story because it was like, I think Deadspin might have covered it. You know, they let him do a football game. It was just, you know. <laughs> well, it, apparently he he had a uh, a play by play background. I guess he used to do um, he used to do hockey. Okay. And then, but of Fox... course, what does that mean? How many guys do play by play? They're just terrible at it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Just watch all these football, all these college games on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um <laughs> says here he he also called Arizona Cardinal telecast and called the regular season Detroit Lions Minnesota Vikings game for Fox in 2014 because in 2014 Fox ended up having a relationship with UFC. That's yeah. how he must have gotten like back in the mix. Uh, Goldberg was supposed to become a regular play-by-play man for Fox NFL's telecast in 2014. <laughs> but poor response to his play-by-play, followed by Goldberg's often obscene off-air replies to that response, prompted Fox to replace Goldberg with Tim Brando. So Goldberg was going to be the worst. And yeah. And replaced him with Tim Brando, who um, used to do... Adam Sucker do... took Tim Brando's job. Yes, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's why it was sounded familiar. Yep, because he was um, the studio guy for the SEC football and CBS. That's right. I'm Tim Brando. Yeah, and then Zucker took his job last year. Zucker. Tim Brando mm-hmm. from Shreveport. Yeah, he went to Northeast Louisiana, which is now known as UL Monroe. It is known as UL Monroe. Yes, Good they used job. to be the Indians. Now they're the Warhawks. True. Very true. Tim Brando. I remember years ago when they did the first play-in games before they dropped it and then start playing games again. This is probably in the late 80s or very early 90s. Must have been the early 90s. And NLU had a pretty good, you know, mid-major basketball program at the time in the Southland Conference. They used to go to the tournament. They went to the tournament a bunch of times. But... um they had one of those playing games, and they were on ESPN. And it was when they used to play them. I don't know if you remember this before, because there was a. They did this for a couple of years, and then and then they dropped it before they got the modern play in. You know. Yes. And and they would play them like at home courts, and I think they were playing Florida A and M, and they played at their court. 
and it was Tim Brando and Dick Vitale doing the game, you know? And it was a big deal because Dick Vitale came there to do this game. Just oh, because, right, right, right. You know, because there's nothing else to do, you know? And, you know, I just remember Dick Vitale gone off because Tim Brando was a Northeast Louisiana grad, you know? He was showing his picture and everything. I just always vividly remember that. And then a kid that went to high school with me who graduated the year before, Dennis Newton, he went and played there for uh, for uh, Northeast Louisiana. He was our one v- very tall guy. And it's so, called UL Monroe now? Yeah. That's the new name? Yeah, but back in the late 90s, they passed some legislation uh, reorganizing the board that ran all their schools at the University of Louisiana board, and they said... Any school that wants to rename themselves can rename themselves. You know, so UL Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, they used to be USL, Southwestern Louisiana. But they're trying to seize the – that school is trying to seize the idea that they're the flagship because a lot of times they'll just call themselves Louisiana, you know? Okay. Because there's LSU, you know, Louisiana State University, and then there's the UL system, you know? Right. You know, just like lots of states have that, you know, where sure. Mississippi, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, Arizona, Arizona State, you know, UL is trying to seize being the uh, flagship. But technically, I don't think they're supposed to. I think t- technically, I think it's against the law for them to just brand themselves as Louisiana. But they try to promote it, you know. <laughs> but a lot of the other schools didn't change their names, you know. I think... I'm trying to think. I think those are the only two that changed their names. The other ones that could have just stayed whatever they were, you know, like right. southeastern Louisiana, whatever. But um, who's yeah, southeastern? Uh, southeastern Louisiana, that Alliance okay. SLU. It's in Hammond. That's between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Yeah, there are way too many colleges in the state of Louisiana. Yeah, but they're uh, they're an FBS school. F- FCS. I mean, so much easier when it was Division One A and Oh no shit, man! <laughs> you know, oh no kidding. Everything's got to get so complicated. Yeah, yep, yeah. They're uh, they're in the Southland, like you know. That's what that's what Northeastern used to be in, or UL Monroe. But now they're now they're now they're Division One A, and they play in the uh, the Sun Belt. You know. Yeah. But they actually won like Northeastern. I think it was like 1987. They won that Division One AA national championship. You know that was the high point of theirs. But I think Stan Humphreys might have gone there. You remember him? I do remember Stan Humphreys. Who did he play for? The Chargers. He was their quarterback yes. in that Super Bowl they were in. Yes, yes. In '95. Yes. Yep. They've had a few other people, but I think he's probably their most prominent. So I'm looking at the uh, University of Louisiana system. If you would have bet me, if you would have named nine schools, seven schools besides, I guess it's six schools besides Southeastern Louisiana, University of Louisiana Lafayette, and University of Louisiana Monroe, um, I would have lost the bet (laughs) that these members were part of the Louisiana system. I would have probably lost the bet that one, two, three, four of them were even in Louisiana. 
Okay. Now, I know all these schools. I know Grambling, but I would have never known that was in Louisiana. Grambling State University, man. Yeah, yeah it's way up there in North Louisiana. Okay. McNeese? McNeese nope. is in Lake Charles, which might as well be Texas. I would have guessed that that was in Tennessee. No, that's Joe Dumars' alma mater. All right. They've, Nickel- they've played for the Division One AA National Championship a couple of times. Never won it. Nichols State? I would Nichols guessed that's State, in- that's in Thibodeau. That's like 70 miles from here. I would have guessed that was in Texas. Okay. Uh, Northwestern State University? That, that was easy. I would have guessed that that was in Oregon. <laughs> that's where Bobby Bear went. Okay. Um... And then if you would have asked me, I would have told you University of New Orleans was a private university. <laughs> you know, funny thing about UNO, they actually, they just got put in the UL system a few years ago. They were in the LSU system forever, you know, and then Bobby Jindal, while he was trying to dismantle public education, <laughs> all the colleges, plus UNO had a big problem because they kind of, Katrina almost wiped out that school because they were right on the lake, you know? Yeah, yeah. And until they got flooded, killed their friggin'. They used to have like 20-something thousand kids there. Now the enrollment probably is only like 11,000 now. So they've been hurting for that long. But um, but I think they got moved in the UL system kind of to save them, you know? Right. But uh, Yeah, they're down to 8,000, 8,400. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's bad. But, of course, now they're claiming they want to be smaller because they've increased their requirements to get in. But, you know. Right. Which doesn't really say much because they were interviewing, like, in the first day of school a couple months ago. And they, the president's like, most people in the New Orleans public schools couldn't even qualify to get into our school. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that tells you about the quality of New Orleans public schools. <laughs> Because, I mean, yeah, they might have increased their standards, but it ain't Harvard. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, they originally were called, because they were only open in 1958, you know, because they were like, there was no state college in New Orleans back then, you know? Right. And originally it was called LSUNO. And that was like, like, if you go there in the library, you'll see all this stuff. And, I, and my buddy's dad... He actually just retired from there, and he graduated from there. He worked there forever, you know. And, you know, he he was there doing the movement. There was a huge movement, like, in the late 60s, early 70s, on the behalf of the student body and everybody to to break away and just become the university in New Orleans, which is what they eventually became because they were always under the thumb of LSU running everything, you know. Right. Yeah, and they were like, we need our own – our own stuff and then and now they're back and they won't ever be called the University of Louisiana at New Orleans though because that's stupid <laughs> <laughs> you know you and know so that's that that is um, that that is that yeah I mean my brother Josh graduated from UNO my sister Mimi did and my brother Chris and my brother AJ, who didn't graduate from any college, did do three years at UNO. So, oh wow, that's like hard time to not get 
you know? Yeah, I mean, but I don't think, I don't know if it was three consecutive years. Of course, a lot of it was fucking around during that time, <laughs> you know? I mean, UNO is a commuter school, so anybody that's living here, it's like, you know, rarely is it people's first choice. It's kind of like where you end up. Yeah. You know, like my sister originally went to Florida State, but then she got homesick and came back. Okay. You know, and, you know, Josh really wasn't ever going to go anywhere else. You know, he didn't even go to college right away. He took a year off and then he came back and he went to UNO. My brother Chris originally went to West Point, you know, and then he left that and came back and he went to UNO. You know, it's, you know, like, I mean, I guess there's people that go there because they want to straight out, you know, but it's, it's more like a classic commuter type of school, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stuff I'm sure you have up there, like, I don't know, Monmouth or something? Are people dying to go to Monmouth? Uh, people are dying to go to Monmouth because Monmouth is uh, a real beautiful campus not far from the beach. Okay. Um, but it's it's still like a good local um, – good percentage of local students go there. Yeah. They don't commute, but – they, you know, they go. Um, what's a good commuter school in Jersey? Um, There's yeah. got to be. There's got to be a few of them up there, you figure, you know? No, I mean. Seem like there would be in a place like Jersey, you know? Yeah, so let me see here. NJIT is not a commuter school? Mm, that's probably close, but that's got a... Um, that's really, it's pretty hard to get into. Oh, really? Yeah. So let's see. Keene is a commuter school. Okay. Uh, Montclair. And, uh, it's not really, oh, New Jersey City University is a commuter school. Um, NJIT. Yeah, I would consider that a commuter school, but maybe not really. Ramapo, Stockton, and Rowan; those are all um, those are all small D three schools, but the kids yeah. live on campus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah William I, Patterson is a commuter school. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know UNO's been trying to make the transition to have more people living on campus become more of a traditional type of school, you know. Yeah. But it's hard when you're one of those schools that just opened up, you know. Like, yep. look at. Places like even like South Florida, I'm sure that's probably still basically a commuter college. Right. You know, it's like a 60 year old school that has like 40,000 students or something. It does have some ridiculous number like that 30,000 or something. It's got some ridiculous enrollment. Them in UCF, but you don't really think of anybody actually going to school there, you know? Right. Like, I'm sure it's less like the University of Florida, you know? I don't know. Like UNLV is probably a commuter school, I'm sure. Um, no, if it's I, not anymore, it made the transition because I'm sure yeah, it yeah, was yeah. at one time, you know. Yeah, I think um, I think it's not anymore because I actually know a couple people who went there. They didn't last very long, but they went there. Yeah. Um, now I just looked up. I just looked up. U.S. News and World Report, uh, most campus commuters. Yeah, that's what you come to when you come to commuter schools in Florida. That's the first thing that comes up. Yeah, so like... Um, Antioch in Ohio. 
Students who live, I guess they must have no dorms. These schools that are listed on here. You know, these are small private schools that probably don't have dorms. Right. Yeah. I don't think of as commuter schools. Give me a real commuter school. Oh, Rutgers Camden, Rutgers Newark. Okay, there you schools. go. Indiana University, Kokomo. Wichita State. The Shockers are a commuter school. Okay. Oklahoma State University at Oklahoma City. Youngstown State, the alma mater of? Ron Jaworski. <laughs> commuter school. Yep. Uh, University of Memphis, which makes Sacramento sense. State, yeah, New Jersey City, yeah, you went. Weber State's a commuter school. <laughs> They're a big sky school. Um, Fresno State, aka Cal State University, Fresno. Okay. Uh, Boise State. That makes sense. Let's see what else. A lot of those New York's. Cleveland State. CUNY schools. Yeah. CUNY, as they say. Indiana University, Purdue University, Fort Wayne. (laughs) I always love that name. IUPUI. University of Mexico. 92% people live off campus. And then, and then their sister school, Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. What's that? IUPUI. Uh, Boise yep. State is a commuter school. Yeah, that's what I just said that one. Oh, you did? Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, Boise. Who else we got here? There's University of New Orleans, 90%. McNeese is 90%. Oh, you know what? Campus. You were right. Did you say, did you say UNLV? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where they have them on there? 93 Okay. University of Utah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. All right. Cool. Ain't cool. So uh, this week I had, um, I started my, uh, my, Intensive um, divorce mediation course. Did I tell you about that? All right. You told me you were in a mediation. I thought you were just in a mediation on Saturday. No. But you said said that. I was like, man, freaking Saturdays is a hot day for mediations in (laughs) New Jersey. (laughs) All right. So explain. So you want a a course for it? Yeah. So the... um, the the course I took last spring was was the um, New Jersey Association of Professional Mediators sponsored um, civil law mediation course. It's a okay. thirty thirty two hours for um, for entry into the state uh, civil court division roster mediator roster. Yeah. So. I finished that, um, completed that course. I was all set. Got my little certificate, hung it on my parents' fridge, or I hung <laughs> it. Actually, I hung it on the artwork where the uh, 
where all the kids hang the artwork in the house. <laughs> right above, yeah, right near all like the grandchildren's artwork. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, what I really wanted to do at that time was take the divorce, uh, the family court division, um, mediation course for divorce mediation, but that was full. Okay. So I kind of backed into the to the um to the civil law and got waitlisted for this and got in. So I ended up taking this course and it's uh, it's a 40-hour course. So it's a couple weekends long and it's it's a little different than the than the civil court. Basically the same but a little bit of a different vibe. Uh the teachers for the civil law, um, were professors from, um, from Rutgers law. And the other one was a, um, you know, he's been teaching the, the civil mediation course for like 15 years or something. It was okay. Um, but it was very helpful in terms of mediation theory, negotiation theory, and a lot of practice. So we did a lot of exercises, a lot of breakouts, a lot of, it built upon itself. It was very, it was very nice. Like we had to do these problems, which were annoying at the time. But looking back on it, um, it was this ostrich egg problem. Yeah. Do you ever do that? No. What's the ostrich egg problem? I, um, I have ostrich eggs, and you need ostrich eggs. Okay. And your supplier is out of ostrich eggs, so you come to me. And, and why ostrich eggs? Uh, I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea. It, 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 it had a bunch of those kind of weird random things. Like, I was like, why would they just say eggs, you know? Like, right. is there a reason it's ostrich eggs? Let me see, actually, let me see if I can find it, because it'd be, it's a pretty uh, ostrich egg... Negotiation problem. Ostrich egg negotiation role play. This is what you're doing in the divorce workshop? No, no, no. This is what I did in the civil. Okay. Uh, in the civil course. Oh, no. It's a download. Shit. This is serious. Uh, all right. Just, you can explain it. I won't have to question it. Um, okay. So it's a, it's a negotiation exercise. And um, I have ostrich eggs. You need ostrich eggs. But yeah. in the problem, we get two different pieces of paper. We don't get the same paper. You get a yellow paper. I get a blue paper. On one of the papers, it says you need the ostrich eggs because um, – Um, oh, okay, here it is. Here it is. It says, you are the purchasing agent. This is your paper. You are the purchasing agent for a large wholesale catering business in which sells egg cakes prepared with ostrich eggs to a large number of exclusive restaurants. You need 650 eggs every month. You'd like to purchase even more because the market's growing. The general manager of your firm has stressed the fact that he's engaged in negotiations with clients. One of your business trips to Tipwa. I'm going to be Tipwa. Um, right. You happen to meet a fellow purchasing agent. 
During your conversation, you discover that he's also planning to buy ostrich eggs. You know that the only supplier of quality ostrich eggs cannot deliver more than a thousand monthly eggs. Cenaba, the supplier, has a monopoly position, has announced that he will raise the price by 100% from 6 to 12. The two of you, Watna and Karisna, so you're Watina, <laughs> Watina and Karisna decide to negotiate together. First, because you suspect uh, you suspect being played against one another. Your plane arrives as destination in eight minutes. So you got eight minutes, right? Yep. I am Carissa. Um, and what I need is not the egg yolks or not the egg product i actually need the egg shells okay because i i use them for something right so you need the eggs to make your egg crepes i need the shells to make what i need you don't know that i just need the shells i don't know that you just need the eggs because you're 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 looking at it as a whole and you're looking at it as i need the ostrich eggs but you don't yeah. need the whole egg. You just need the egg product. And what it is, it's how do you negotiate? You know, do you take this hardline position of I'm going to beat you to the punch uh, because we're going to, you know, I need to pay less than $12 an egg and I'm going to pay, you know, $8 an egg. And you're supposed to be go around and around. And in this exercise, you learn to like peel away and find mutually beneficial solutions. So that was like a whole hour long process in the civil court training, which I found to be very helpful. Yeah. You know what I mean? That there's none of this in the, in the, in the divorce law. It's a lot of war stories. It's a lot of, you know, kind of, uh, marital law theory, um, you know, they, they there's no real structure, but it, it's cool. I follow along. I do well in that particular yeah. setting. I but, mean, the problem is when you're dealing with divorce people, you're dealing with like a lot of nasty shit just straight up. Right. Well, you know where those little theories and stuff probably don't work. Those little games, you know. Exactly. And I don't know if you remember the my complaint about the civil uh, mediation course. That it was. Uh, it was. What was, was your complaint? Wrought with attorneys. So they wanted to litigate everything. Yeah. They, yeah. they want they wanted to impress upon the non attorneys in the room how much of an attorney they were. Yeah. Well, needless to say, it's it's even worse in this because matrimonial law is such a specialty. Yep. That these guys are super specialists. I know. I'm dealing with one of these cases right now. It's the only one I'm ever dealing with. It's just because you know, we shouldn't even be dealing with it. Right. But the guy I work for is like, oh, well, this guy did this, so we need to handle this. Well, it's like, well, why don't we send them to people that actually do this shit for a living? Right. You right. know, because that's not the type of shit I want to deal with. You know, because it's it's like a lot of things. Most stuff you do in the law is not worth doing if you don't specialize in it, you know? Right, right. Like, I'm doing a bankruptcy case. I've done one bankruptcy case before, but that's not worth doing. If you don't do it regularly, you know, and then like dealing with this one case with an old couple that's getting divorced and we got to deal with the partition. It's a pain in the ass. I don't do this ever. 
you know, and it's going to be a, you know, I don't know. It just sucks because that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with divorce shit. You know, you're dealing with friggin' asshole lawyers, basically. Yeah, and that's a little bit of what I'm having trouble with was because the my first instinct in the civil um, in the civil law training was to find a problem, solve the problem, and kind of coach the folks to a solution. Yeah. But what you kind of learn in the training is that an effective mediator using a facilitative technique you don't you don't even really give a shit if they settle it yeah you know what i mean because it's not your agenda it's their agenda yeah yeah, yeah. whereas in family law well the agenda's already fixed somebody's getting divorced yep and within that you need a separation agreement you need um, you know, a property settlement, and then you need child support and spousal support if appropriate. So those things are going to yeah, happen. Yeah, you got freaking kids, which is really terrible. So it's 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 the mediator's job to make sure those things get done. Whereas in the civil setting, you're talking purely about um, financial remuneration. If they want to settle, let them settle. If they don't want to settle, it is, it's going to come to settlement at some point. So, you know. That's that's their business. Um, so the matrimonial law attorneys, they love to, to rear their heads in these particular cases because, you know, well, they're the experts. Yeah. They love to tell you they're the experts. And we had this discussion about what an effective, you know, even if you're not an attorney, even if you don't have any experience um or legal background, there's some things that are to your advantage as a mediator. And in some instances, it's having just a lot of experience, basically being old, because you're going to come into a setting and people are going to kind of respect your opinion. And he said, the instructor says, it's one of the areas that, you know, that the old folks have over the young folks, you know, who really wants to, who really wants to settle their marital issues in front of a 20 something year old. Yeah. And, uh, one dude perks up and he raises his hand, which I was surprised because it's the same dude who'd been doing a crossword puzzle all day. Yeah. So he's like, well, I have to, uh, I, I, I have to object to that, uh, as the 20 something lawyer in the room. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, this is why people hate lawyers. This is why lawyers hate lawyers because you're an idiot. Just shut up. So he needs to to not only let people know he's an attorney, he needs to let them know he's in his 20s, right? Yep. And he rips off a couple asinine um, rationales on why he's better suited to be a mediator than an old person. And um, he goes on for a few minutes. But it turns out he's 29. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's not like he's 24. Like you're twenty, yeah. dude. You're thirty. Get over yourself, you know. So yep. people took to calling him the baby, uh, uh, the baby attorney, and he loved it, you know. The baby attorney. And um, he kind of like he flexes muscles a little bit, um, to such to the point where uh, we we're talking about some topic 
um, involving separation. And there's a there's a family a retired family court judge, 20 years on the bench. And I don't know if you've ever met any retired family court judges, but he's like the second or third that I've met. And okay. they're like the sweetest, oldest, nicest, grandfatherly people in the world, right? Yeah. They're dealing with shit for 20 years. You know? Now they're retired. Not only do they have a soft spot, they're glad they're not doing that anymore. <laughs> so he's given a lecture on uh, on separation agreements. And he's talking about separation agreements. And he says something about legal separation. And the kid, the little baby attorney kid, is uh, goes... Um, well, judge, that's not exactly true. Was he was he saying like the idea that there's no such thing as legal separation anymore? W- whatever, something. There's al- no legal separation here anymore, you know. Yeah, there's not in New Jersey either. So yeah. that we got on that topic, and then there was an offshoot, and I don't remember exactly what the tangent was. It was kind of a throwaway line that the judge kind of threw out, and this kid decided to correct the judge, and he says, "Excuse me, judge, that's not exactly true." And he talks about uh, divorce from bed and board. Yeah, 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 the old school stuff. So he goes on this tangent about the seminal case, Bowers v. Bowers in New Jersey and blah, 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 blah. And he, he goes on like a two or three minute riff about why the judge is wrong and he's not particularly correct in this case. And the judge just smiles, lets him go. And uh, <laughs> kid stops and the judge goes, uh, is that it? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. And he goes, uh, I'd check that if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and put the little punk kid back in his place. And Lawyers kid went, are such assholes. Kid went back to doing his crossword puzzle. Day two of the, of the uh, seminar comes. Kid whips out his crossword puzzle again. Now this is starting to annoy me because it's pretty disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like... How many people are in there? 24. Yeah, so there's not even that many people in there. Right. And it's not like it's one of these, like you got to go to CLEs. CLEs, you're just there because you got to get the hours. Exactly. You know, this is something where people theoretically want to get certified. Right. And you know? it costs 1500 bucks. Yeah, damn. Yeah, that's freaking, why are you there to, uh, I mean, I'm sure the asshole probably has a firm he works for that's making him do it, but still. He, um, after a while I started to change my position because then I started feeling sorry for him because I'm like, that's the same crossword puzzle he was working on yesterday. (laughs) And it's not the New York Times crossword puzzle. It might be like, it might be like Us Magazine crossword puzzle or something because it's definitely a magazine. And uh, I'm like, something that's easy. He can't even finish it. Yeah. He's a Rutgers grad, law grad. What do you expect? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> so it was pretty intense. It was uh, it was a full weekend, eight hour days of uh, of that kind of stuff. Four hours of role play, um, like pretty intense, pretty intense. Um, and of course, because I've been through it already, I feel like I should master it. Yeah. So. Anytime people give me feedback on it, I'm like, yeah, okay, right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you don't know what I know. 
<laughs> You're the master mediator. Go take the civil law course and, and come back to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I had that, and uh, we get a weekend off this weekend, and then we fire back up next weekend, which happens to be uh, Halloween. Oh, y'all doing a Halloween weekend? No, well, we don't have Halloween Day. We have the day after, which, to be honest, I'd rather have Halloween Day and the day off after. Yeah. So, what are you typing away over there? Ah, uh, no, I was just sending some shit out. <laughs> Multitasking? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, am I keeping you for something? No, friggin' stupid friggin' text messages were blowing up with the nerds in the uh, Fantasy Baseball League. <laughs> How'd you do this year? Uh, last place. <laughs> per the <laughs> usual. <laughs> Take my money, please. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's just I'm like in too deep, you know? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I yeah. can't tell them I want to get out because they're like, well, then we're going to, they'll be like, fuck, we're going to have to find somebody else, you know? Right, right. And at the end of the day, what's a hundred bucks? Right. You know? You yeah. go have a party and then you, you suck for the whole season. Gives <laughs> you something to look at for five minutes a day, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> what um, what are they uh, what are they settling? It's got to be over, right? Oh yeah, it's over. It's just that they're all baseball nerds, you know. So they sending stuff off, you know. In relation, shit really starts blowing up during these playoff games. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a whole thing today because one guy sent out a text about uh, the Cubs are bringing out. Henry Rowan Gardner to the game and a kid was like, who is that? You know, so I just chimed in rookie of the year kids and the whole thing was going back and forth. Oh, we got to kick that guy out of the league. How does he not know Henry <laughs> Rowan Gardner? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's all just breaking balls, but they are like, you know, like, they seriously, they're like, how the fuck do you not know that? They're all baseball people, you know? Right. And they're right. kids, they're guys who were like little kids when that movie came out. How long did you know that, you know? Right. I mean, I never watched Rookie of the Year, but I think I was probably already like friggin' well into high school, if not like in college by the time it came out. Right. You know? I mean, I know the guy that was in it was eventually in um, the American Pie movies, you know? He's like the little, uh, he was Tara Reed's boyfriend in those movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's kind of like the lesser character of the group, you know? Um, he's the big football player, right? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Tara no. Reed's boyfriend, yes. Okay. Yeah, Tara Reed's boyfriend's like the sweet little yeah. you know, pussy, you know? Yeah, yeah, he was the sweet little pussy. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of of fantasy leagues did you uh you ever watch the league i used to watch it the first year it came out in first couple of seasons but i don't know i just quit watching it uh, i don't know man give it a give it a whirl because it's not that i have a problem with it it's just that it fell off the radar you know yeah um, I mean, you... like even the stuff that i do watch i find myself trying to commit so much time i don't even watch that many things you know, but it's like when I finally sit at home and night, it's usually like 
two hours to watch TV or two or three hours, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm watching this, but then I'm not going to be able to see the stuff that's actually live right now, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's one of the shows I, I did support because... Uh, it's a duplass. Pete, yeah, Pete graduated yeah. the year after me, and he even put friggin' Steve Zissis on an episode. Did he really? <laughs> yeah, that was like the first season I know Zissis was on an episode. Okay. And I used to watch it. It was funny. It's just that, you know, once I got rid of cable and all that stuff, you know, or got out of that and then like when i moved back to the parents house and stuff it's just they had the channel it's just that all all the stuff on there's just too many channels yeah so like anything like on fx and that just fell to the back burner yeah you well know? if you get a chance on like a because uh... i used to watch louie and wilford all the time too when they first came out yeah it's a good uh it's on netflix so like if you're doing nothing yeah. on, a, on yeah. a saturday morning after a uh after a, a happy hour or something throw them on there yeah they're, i should they're funny they're funny. netflix i don't even use as much as i should you know yeah. yeah i mean the last thing i watched on netflix i watched that was like two weeks ago i watched uh the, the documentary man on wire about the guy that walked across the twin towers oh yeah okay you know because i went to go see the movie you know right which is fucking cool just for like it was cool just for the last part of the movie where he's actually walking across the twin towers yeah did you watch it's in the... 3d imax you know? okay i was gonna say did you see it like that yeah i mean i guess there are reports when i saw the preview i was in jurassic world which was 3d imax i remember getting dizzy looking at the trailer you know but i was like i gotta go see that and then i um and I think we had that conversation when we were up there with Jordan, because Jordan's a big movie buff, and he was like, no way, I don't want to see that at all. And I think his problem was that he didn't like the idea of, like, being dizzied and shit by it, you know? Right. I remember him saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. and then um, I forgot about that, and I was going to go see it, like, on a couple of Wednesdays ago. I was like, hey, man, you have any interest in going to see The Walk tonight? And he was like, hell no. I have <laughs> no interest in ever seeing that movie. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, yeah, now I remember. Yeah. But uh but I had read like there were stories about people getting vertigo when they went to see it. Oh, wow. I didn't get vertigo, but it is even though you know how it's gonna turn out, it's very tense. Like the stomach was very like had butterflies in my stomach while I watched it. It was cool. Oh wow. That's a hell that's a heck of a movie. Yeah, I mean because he's showing you these I mean, yes, it's all fake and you know it's really but the effect man yeah it's like it's kind of cheesy the way they set it up and stuff and you know it's a pg movie but you're not gonna bring any kids to it but it's worth getting to the part where he actually is where they actually pull off the caper you know right. just for that because that is friggin it was amazing and it's something you need to see in 3d you know right 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 it, right. Don't, it won't do any justice if you just watch it in standard you know, film. Uh, you know what I'm going to see um, this week that's playing down here? What's that? Or up here is um, the National Lampoon's movie. Which one? Uh, drunk. Oh, it's a documentary. Oh, it's a documentary about National Lampoon? Yeah. Oh, all right. I haven't even heard of that. About the magazine? Yep. About all the right. magazine, the, the movie empire, the whole deal. 
That sounds cool. Colin, yeah. my buddy, just texted me tonight. You know, he he lives in Columbus, Mississippi, which is basically bumfuck Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It's up there near Starkville and Oxford and all that bullshit. Um, and he used to he used to be he has no journalistic training at all, but somehow he ended up being in the newspaper business, like this weekly newspaper there. Right. You know, and now he doesn't do it anymore. He's selling real estate, but he texted me tonight that he's going to interview PJ, PJ Rourke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from, you know, who of course was a national lampoon guy. Right. You know? So he was like, Hey man, I'm going to interview him. You got any questions you want me to ask him? He's like, interviewing yeah. him for his old paper. I don't know what it is. He, he said he was asked to interview. I assume it must be. He must be in town doing something like at one of the, you know, either like or close to town, like it maybe giving a presentation at like Old Miss or Mississippi State or something, you know? Yeah. And they were like, well, we have an opportunity to interview him. Do you want to go interview him? Some, I'm sure it's something like that, you know? Right, right. But it's like Colin has got a journalism school. Like I can only imagine what his interviews consist of. Right. <laughs> Uh, drunk, stone, brilliant, and dead is the story of National Lampoon. Ah, nice, nice. Yeah, so it's playing at like a little art house. Uh, yeah, cinema. I haven't even heard of that. It's probably something that'll probably be on Netflix soon enough, though. Um. Yeah. I'd. But yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. You know what I went to see? I liked uh, the little single screen uptown movie theater, the Britannia. They'll uh, they'll do like these. Uh, director series you know and they were doing a john carpenter series which you know where they show late night like they'll take like four or five of his movies over the course of weeks show them like uh like midnights on friday and saturday and 10 o'clock at night on sunday you know Mm -hmm. so i went to go see which is gonna cap off with halloween next weekend of course since that's a john carpenter movie right uh i mean you know like escape from la and all those movies yep but uh, but they were playing one of the ones that I never saw in the theater, but that I loved as a kid. And I took my brother Chris to see it because I knew he loved it. They Live with Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was awesome seeing it on a big screen, you know? Right. So I went to see that. That was uh, Sunday before last, you know? It was really awesome. <laughs> that is a – I do love that movie, man. Yeah, you know – I don't know how long ago. Maybe I've only seen it once. Maybe. Yeah. I mean that's probably the case. You know, like probably. I saw it, like as a teenager or whatever, and I didn't see it again. But um, yeah, that's great. No, John Carpenter. All his famous movies he wrote. Are you asking he, me that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or did he I... direct? some things that are famous that he didn't write. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, that movie's based on a short story. So I'm not sure if he's the one that wrote the screenplay or anything. You know, like it was based on an old short story. Right. Um, I mean, the way I figure, I don't know if he exactly wrote everything, but I know, you know, they're all like his projects because he was kind of like an outsider. Okay. You know, right. I mean, I think he's like Tarantino and that respect you know like big trouble little china he did like 
I mean, he did these movies that have lots of, you know, there's lots of uh, esteem for them, but never like really super big budget movies, you know? Right. And so, so I'm sure, I don't know if he wrote all the screenplays or anything, but I'm, but, but you know, it's not like they're, you know, he, he wasn't turning out friggin' just big studio schlock, you know? Yeah, so it looks like a mixed bag. So, for example, uh, Big Trouble Little China, he was he just directed. He did not write. Yeah. But, um... That was thing, in the series, too. The Thing is one that he did, right? He... No, only directed The Thing. Right. But did they talk about, like... Well, I he, guess... He wrote Escape from L.A. Yeah, but, like, The Thing... Because I was reading an interview with him... That was just recent, you know, like earlier this month, they did some interview with him, one of these Yahoo or something. And they were asking him about stuff like, uh, I can't even remember the other movie, but they were asking like in the thing, you know, they, they never say what they're researching, you know? And he's like, because it doesn't fucking matter. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> basically it's like, it doesn't, it's a waste of time, you know, cause the thing takes place where they're like at a, was an Arctic research facility or something, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, that doesn't matter. That's just like the the setting, you know? And, you know, there was another movie where, well, why were they doing this? And he's like, well, that doesn't matter. That's just that's just to set the movie in the motion, you know? Right. Who cares what they're researching in the thing? It's just the idea that they're out there isolated, you know, anyway, you know? Right, right. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of an interesting dude. He sounds like, you know, cause that whole, like, you know, they live like, you know, they have all the signs that say obey and they had, and that artist, the one who ended up doing the Obama posters, you know, that say hope or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 He's, he, he made his name making those obey posters, you know? Yeah. Which was basically he kind of stole the idea from John Carpenter. You know, from They Live. Right. And he's like, eh, fuck it, I don't care about that. You know, he's like, it's art, whatever. You know, because they asked him straight up about that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's where that guy got, got the idea, you know. But it did have the best movie fight ever in They Live, you know. If yeah, you remember that about the movie. I do. I was reading about that. Was, was it a real fight? No. What do you mean? Like they were actually fighting? Yeah. Uh, I mean it's a movie fight. No, no, I know, I know, but I, I thought there was something about it. The way well, it was... I mean, it went on forever. I do think those guys, you know, they. I mean, he was a wrestler, Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I mean, they were really doing shit. But what I also read, which you might come across, apparently, what they did was they're fighting like you know in a back alley. But what it said is they used foam, painted foam cushions black to make it look like the asphalt since they were doing all this crazy shit. Right. You know, they were doing like suplexes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it goes on forever. I mean, and just like wrestling, even though wrestling is fake, quote unquote fake, the actual stuff they're doing is not fake. Right. You know, those guys are still throwing their asses around, you know. But I mean... My favorite part about the fight, it's kind of funny, you know, like you laugh when you watch it because it's so over the top. But the other thing about the fight is at the end of the day, 
They're fighting over glasses, over wearing glasses. Right, right, right. And I, I was talking to my brother about that before. I was like, you know, don't you think, like, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> if I came up to you and, like, put on these glasses and you're like, fuck you. It's like <laughs> you might resist a little bit, but after, like, maybe a couple of minutes, I might convince you to put on the glasses. <laughs> right. Uh, you're like, no, no, I'm not putting on Why? Why do you want to put on the glasses? And be like, it would be just like a minute or two. Be like, All right, I'll put the glasses on. <laughs> uh, the, the idea of these guys have a knockdown, drag out, like almost 10 minute long fight sequence in a movie over wearing the fucking glasses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so over the top. It's freaking hilarious. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, man. Uh, so, good stuff. Good yeah, stuff, man. It's too bad Roddy Roddy Piper's dead. Yeah, it is, man. It is. Yeah. It's too bad that was the only like major movie he was a star of, too. I mean, I guess he can look to the Frogtown movies or whatever, but that was the only real movie he was a star in. It's <laughs> uh, funny. I just hit play. It's... Uh... The fight scene? Yeah. Six minutes <laughs> long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's so over the top. Right, it starts with the glasses. That's great. <laughs> Put on the glasses. It needs to be like a wrestling match. Yeah, I mean, you remember like when you watch wrestling, it'd always be like, you know, where they, you know, either taking like, who is it? The guy that used to, Terry Funk, I think it was, who had the brand, who would go over and brand people. Yeah, or yeah, they'd yeah. go and try to put something. You know, at one point where he gets him down and he's taking the glasses and trying to shove them on his face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, uh, you know, funny thing about Back to the Future Day, I I had a, a lurking suspicion that you were going to have a problem with Michael J. Fox like you have with Keanu Reeves. Oh, know? no, no, not at all, man. Quite the opposite. <laughs> I was a huge... Um, Family ties. Yeah, I was. I had family ties in the background just now. We got a um, a uh, back-to-back episodes of it on one of these antenna TV stations that just shows old TV shows. So much so, I uh, I used to carry a briefcase around when I was a little kid because <laughs> I loved Alex P. Keaton. Michael P. DeSantis. That's it. That was <laughs> Alex me. <P>. Keaton. <laughs> Matthew P. DeSantis. <laughs> uh, friggin' uh, yeah, this morning I was running to work late at nine o'clock in the morning. That's when uh what's his name? Live with Kelly and Michael comes on. Okay. And they were like, Today you know, and they were saying, Back to the future day, and we're having Michael J. Fox. I'm like, Oh fuck, I gotta go to work. I can't watch this. <laughs> I so want to watch it, man. <laughs> Very disappointing. Uh, well, you know, unless something miraculous happens, the Cubbies will not win the World Series this year. What's the... Uh... It's top of the eighth, six to one. Oh. Cubs have six more outs. But... um. But I said, like, a few weeks ago, I was like, you know, I, there's lots of Cubs fans down here. There's always been lots of Cubs fans down here. I remember growing up, 
there were a lot of Cubs fans because there's no baseball teams, you know? Right. So, like, old school people adopted Cubs. And then for years you had WGN, you know, that was the access to baseball, you know, yep, with Harry Carey doing the sure. games and you'd watch the Cubs. Sure. So they're very popular down here, you know? And I could, but I could never stand the Cubs. I used to like watching those games when I actually enjoyed watching baseball before it started boring me incessantly. Yeah. Because um, baseball is fucking boring to watch. Um, it's good to go to games. It's boring to watch on TV. Right. Exactly. You know? Uh, and I used to love watching those games because the Cubs would always find new ways to lose and Harry Carey would be all excited, and then they'd lose in dramatic fashion, and he'd be so depressed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he used to just kill me, you know? But uh, but I'm like, man, I just wish the Cubs would win the World Series just so I wouldn't have to hear about it anymore. Right. You know? Because just like, And I was telling that to Jacob. I was like, look, I lived in Boston when the Red Sox finally won the World Series. It was like the biggest deal ever. But before that, all you ever heard about was Curse of the Bambino. It's like, all right, after they won the World Series, they talked about ending the curse. You know, it went on for maybe a year. But now no one talks about that shit anymore. Right. You know? And I was like, that's why I want the Cubs to win the World Series, just so that I won't have to hear about this shit anymore. You know? And then I realized, I was like, oh, no, it's the back to the future year. I want them to win. I just don't want them to win it this year because you'll never hear the end of it then. (laughs) If it's tied into the back to the future year. Right. You know, so they can win it next year. I don't care. All right. You know, but I mean, apparently, see, I'm too young to remember this, but apparently the way they talk about the Cubs and how they used to talk about the Red Sox, that's the Phillies were that team because they were always losers before they won the World Series, like in 1980 or whatever. Yeah. You know, apparently they were the team that was always mocked. Because they're like, they're the losingest team in the history of baseball. Right. You know, they were the first team to lose 10,000 games. Yeah, they've been around a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, but but see, I was too young to remember that. And in my lifetime, no one talked about that with the Phillies. Because once it ended, you don't talk about it anymore. Like Fight Club. Yes, yes. So the Cubs (laughs) just needed it. Cubs just need to win a World Series so we can get it over with, and they won't have to talk about it any longer. You right. know, I don't even know what stadium they were playing in 107 years ago because Wrigley Field's only 101 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it that crazy? Yeah. Um, speaking of 100, and um, I'm gonna wrap up in a little bit here, but um, yeah, uh, Frank Sinatra. This is a centennial year. Ah, nice. Would have been his 100th birthday uh, coming up soon. When did he die? Was it 99? That's so funny. Somebody just asked me that as well. Uh, I think he's been dead for 12 years. All right. So I don't know when that is. You're a lot better in age math than I am. Frank Sinatra died in 1998. 1998. All right. I get those two years mixed up because I knew it was sometime... Let me see what the date was. So maybe that's more than 12 years, but... Yeah, I knew it was near the end of my college career. See, May 14th, 1998. All right. It makes sense. Because it was right after, right around graduation for 98. And since I 
Should have been 98. I graduated in 99. I always get the time mixed up when I'm thinking right. about when stuff happened. Right. I'm like, oh, it was right after graduation. Yeah, not my graduation. <laughs> but uh, I graduated the next year, and my graduation was May 15th, 1998. So that was probably technically graduation day for the class of 98 since May 14th would have been you know yeah so it was like graduation weekend of 98 yep mother's day weekend hmm interesting he was married to mia farrow yeah i know uh, that she well, was very she was, young and she was she used to be good looking yeah i mean she was very young when he was married to her oh really yeah i mean that's kind of a weird marriage the mia farrow thing 66 she was 22 yeah Interesting. Oh, he was. They weren't he, even married that long. How long was it? Two years. Yeah. Oh yeah. He she was thirty years his junior. Uh, Mets are up eight to one now. Let's see how did they score? Didn't Jesus Murphy hit a home run? Ha! Huh? Murphy <laughs> just hit a home run. Holy shit! Two run homer, man. People must be going crazy. He's yeah, he's gonna. He's obviously the MVP of the NLCS. Right. You know, oh, the world! Sixth straight game, he's hit a home run. Actually, the MVP of the world. That's um, MVP of the world. Yes, that's that's what uh, that's how much power he has around here. Are people going nuts down there? What's oh the my god! Um, well, Yankee fans have just kind of gone away because there's no point in kind of poking the bear if you're the Yankee fan. You know, yeah. Like, let the Mets have it. That's fine. Um, but Mets fans are insufferable because they're um, they're just complainers about how they complain about how the Mets don't spend money, how the teams mismanage. Like they revel uh, in their mediocrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they have nothing to complain about, they don't know what to say. So yeah. now it's going to go in the other direction on how. This is, you know, a team of dynast. Uh, this is a team of destiny. destiny it's gonna be, a, yeah. it's gonna be a dynasty for the next ten years. Um, you know, that's gonna be uh, of the top ten greatest teams of all time. Where does the Mets? You know, where do the Mets fall? <laughs> like, just <laughs> silly stuff. You know, <laughs> it's just gonna be a pain in the neck. Which why? Which is why I have no use for uh, for sports talk radio or the like. I do like that they dragged out fellow Jesuit alum Rusty Staub throughout the first pitch last week. <laughs> I didn't realize he was uh, he was a Jesuit alum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from uh, he's from down in New Orleans. I would have guessed that he was from Canada. No, he just made his name. He he played for Montreal. Yeah, he for was a an bit. Expo for a long time. Yeah, that's where he got his nickname La Grande Orange because he had the red hair. Right. Yeah. But he originally was a Houston Colt 45. Yes, he was. You know. Yeah, he was uh I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer, but he did but he was like the best pinch hitter of all time. And a six-time All-Star. Yeah, but he played he played for a long time. Let's see. He played for like almost 20 seasons or something. Um how long broke, did he play? Broken in 63, last played in 85. 20, 20, 22 uh, years. 20 years. Yeah, damn. 
He had 2,700 hits. Yeah. 2,700 hits. He, he had 290 home, 292 home runs, 1,400 RBI. Listen, I'll tell you what, man. I know we played for 20 years, but I would – I come on. Give the guy some credit. Yeah. I mean, he's probably – apparently he had a heart attack recently. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he was um, – Apparently he was he in was Europe Ill. or something maybe when it happened. I don't know because they had something about him – that kid Scott Isaacs is a big Mets fan. He was updating on shit and said something about him just getting back into the country. And I was like, what went on? And then I saw that he had a heart attack or something, but I was like, did he have it overseas? I don't know. I didn't I guess I wasn't curious enough to really investigate. <laughs> <laughs> why why he was coming in from another country. Uh, listen, I don't know, man. Rusty Staub, Hall of Fame. He's probably the best baseball player ever to come out of Jesuit High School. You know, I really thought that was going to be Will Clark, but he fizzled out. Yeah. You know, let's see. Rusty Staub feeling a whole lot better after heart attack, October 12th. Apparently one week after suffering a heart attack on a flight from Ireland. That was diverted back to his place of origin. Okay, there you go. It was overseas. He was on the way to Ireland. Former betting current team ambassador Rusty Stubb was at City Field to throw a ceremonial first pitch before Game 3 of the NL Division Series against the Dodgers. Good old Rusty Stubb, man. He's. I think he owns like a restaurant and stuff up there now, you know? Yeah, I think he does. I think he does. Yeah, he was on the flight from Ireland to JFK when it happened. See, even though even though it's a nickname he picked up in Montreal, they the New York papers refer to him as Legrand Orange. Yeah, seventy one years old. Keep on trucking, Rusty. Yeah. So you know what fact that rusty's in the stable with him gives me reason to root for the mets you know yeah all right but he's all actually right. their ambassador now you know i always liked rusty stuff yeah yeah i mean i really don't remember him playing too much because i mean he retired in 85 and at that point he, he probably solely was a pinch hitter you know yeah well from 81 to 85 i was um my best uh, friend was uh was a huge mets fan at a time when the mets were starting to get really good yeah yeah yeah. so unfortunately it was the same time when the yankees were really really bad yep and um i basically had to eat that for you know the length of my friendship with the devin perrine but as the rise of dwight gooden david cone daryl strawberry yeah they traded wilson they traded for uh for Gary Carter, Keith yeah. Hernandez, like they had Ray Knight. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that '86 team was stacked. Yeah, and then they had guys like um, uh, who was the who was the the kid? He was a second base. Greg uh, Jeffries. Yes, was it Greg Jeffries? Was that his name? I, yeah, I think so. But he was like a little, you know, he was a little later on. Right, not on the eighty six team. 
He was probably in that 90 team. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. I think that's when he came up. It was like 89, 90-ish. Yeah, he came up 87 was his first year. Um, yeah. But was on the 90 team. And he was like, uh, you know, he's like one of those guys that was like bred to be a baseball player. You know, yeah. from, from a young age. and See, know, I remember when I was a kid, like when I was like in seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, you know, into the baseball cart thing. That's, I remember him being the hot new name yes. on the scene. He was supposed yep. to be the big stud, you know? Yep, exactly. His yeah. baseball card was, his rookie card was supposed to be huge. Yep. Yep. But, Greg Jeffries, Greg Jeffries. Everybody was all about Greg Jeffries. Yeah, he never really, uh, he never really panned out. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's a that's like when Jeff Kent first came up, everybody was blowing their loads about Jeff Kent. <laughs> you remember that? I, mean, I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff uh, Kent was this the people that they have the buzz about who are supposed to be the next hot thing, you know? Yes, yes. I mean, of course, King Griffey Jr. was, and and he lived up to it, you know? Right. But back in the in the in the mid to late '80s, it was you're right. It was all about the baseball card. Yep. Like so that that fueled the fire even more because you'd then go out and try to get the card, and it was actually yeah. a market, you know, for these yeah. guys. Um, and then the internet came out, and eBay came out, and everybody that thought they were holding on to scarce resources found out they weren't so scarce. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You had no clue what the nobody had a clue what the market was when when there was no actual real market you know? right right exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> people just hoarding shit you know right uh, uh. i don't even remember that i mean i only did it for a few years but i remember even i was just like i'm never getting rid of this card when you would get a nice card you know right <laughs> i mean think about the people that are doing it a hundred times more than me jeez it's eight right. to three right now with two outs in the bottom of the eighth all right, I'm gonna go. Uh, I want to go see that uh, that celebration. Yeah, I, I, I gotta find out how to watch this. I guess I enjoy a good uh, a good postseason locker room celebration, especially for that. They're, they're going to the World Series, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's worth it. That's worth it. Um, all right, man. Unless you got anything else? No, I have nothing else. I mean, we've been gone for well over an hour. Yeah, yeah. Good time. Hour and a half, just about right now. Good times. Good All right, time. then on that note, man, uh, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo.